a lot of people like to give like their products like cute names and fail to put things that are really important, like what it is and what it does in the title. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. My name is Chase Clymer. And today, I'm welcoming to the show uh, Jeff McRitchie. Jeff co-founded MyBinding.com. And he grew that to an awesome point to which it was acquired by Spiral Binding. Making sure I'm getting those in the right order. Uh, and now, Jeff actually serves as the Vice President of Global E-Commerce for Spiral Binding and their portfolio of brands. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome. You know, take me back. I guess those that are unfamiliar with the brand, what does the portfolio of brands do? What's the product? Sure. Uh, I mean, our primary uh, product is binding, which would be I think like the spines that go on reports and presentations. So comb binding, coil binding, wire binding. But we also sell things like lamination and and what we would call paper handling, which is like paper cutters and all all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Office products, but a specialty. Exactly. Very niched in the office product space. I use the uh, those types of products actually when I'm making my Airbnb manuals. And I laminate them and then I spiral bind them because uh, without that, they'll get destroyed. People are going to spill coffee on them. Yeah. Awesome. So let's take me back to the beginning. Um, you know, how did you stumble upon this idea of this product and launching into e-commerce? And you know, how long ago was that? Sure. So, I mean, think back to 2003 when e-commerce was like a, either Yahoo stores or Monster Commerce. You know, it really wasn't quite where it's at today. There was a guy from my church actually who came up to me one day and said, "Hey, have you ever thought about starting an e-commerce website?" And I'm like, um, "No, but I mean, it shouldn't be that hard." <laughs> and so uh, that's really where it got started. You know, I had a day job, and uh, it took me about six months to build the site, evenings and weekends. You know my days off from work, you know, trying to trying to get it. We launched um, in June of 2003. And the initial goal was really, hey, I want to be able to pay my internet bill every month. Right. And I was like, I, I need to, I, you know, I just need a little side um, sort of gig. And it, it really was an interesting one from the standpoint of, as you kind of think about it, back then, there was no such thing as a B2B2C website. And or, or it, it wasn't really a common thing. And so this whole idea of creating a website to sell to businesses, but to do it like they were individuals was really kind of new and we were kind of like making it up as we went. And so the the idea was, hey, can we make this site and can we put up all these products that the company has access to in this binding space? And you know, we weren't even sure anyone was going to buy the stuff. And it was crazy as we started to see, you know, in the in the early days it's like one or two or three or five orders a day start to trickle in and you realize the kind of reach that we had. It was like about a year in um, when we got an, uh, an order from the executive office of the president of the United States, which I, I mean, it's election time. I can't remember who the president was back then, but it doesn't really matter. All of, I was just so excited to see, you know, we had made it all the way to the White House with, uh, in this case, a small laminator. So it wasn't a big deal. That is so cool. And so as you're founding the brand back then, what was your kind of go-to-market strategy? How are you acquiring these customers? How are you getting people to the website? 
So in the very beginning, it was really about paid search. And it was this idea of like, hey, can we play? And I don't know if you remember what it might be like back then, but it was it was really um, the old uh, Yahoo. I can't even remember what it's called now, you know, with an open bidding model. And you could actually see what everyone else's bids were. And you're kind of like trying to compete in the auction and try to figure out. Um, but yeah, we basically had set a budget. In the beginning, we said, hey, let's try to spend 10% of of our revenues building traffic. And so that was kind of where it started. I didn't know anything about SEO at the time. I didn't even know that that was an option. Um, I, I wish I did because when you think about it, those days of SEO were, were actually quite easy compared to what we have today. Oh, it's so competitive today. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the podcast towards the end. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue-generating activity. So, Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash honest. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Avalara. Tax compliance done right. Let's fast forward a bit. You are finding this initial traction. You are growing mybinding.com through paid search. Uh, and then uh, how does the acquisition come into play? So it's interesting. So, you know, fast forward then 15 years where we've gone from, hey, this thing that was uh, a side gig evenings and weekends, hey, let's launch the site and see if we can pay for internet to a team that had 80 people, right? And, uh, and we had a, a pretty cool thing going, right? As we were sort of dominating the binding space on, on the internet, right? Whether that be SEO, SEM, right? Everywhere you would turn, there would be um, my binding. And, and that was awesome, right? And, uh, and, and we loved it. That, of course, made us uh, an acquisition target. So at some point, you know, one of our primary um, competitors, which was Spiral Binding, sort of woke up and said, hey, you know, like they already had an e-commerce operation, but it was quite a bit smaller than ours. And they looked and said, hey, we could buy this and sort of uh, take that piece over. And they were much larger in the sort of B2B space, right? As, um, you know, traditional large sales, um, you know, uh, offline. It was a, a great sort of synergy, a set of synergies as you look and say, hey, we don't really service the same customers, but we service all the same products. So it made a ton of sense. You know, those conversations started, you know, I, I guess in like 2018, but really we, we ended up uh, finalizing the deal 2019. So that's super exciting um, for us as we became part of a larger company, you know, sort of merged capabilities, um, you know, and kind of look at and say, hey, how can we take the best of both worlds um, and put them together? Yeah, that's really cool when you find those synergies, uh, you know, they're going after. You know, more traditional sales, probably, you know, salesmen walking into places trying to sell big, you know, multi hundreds of thousands. I don't know how big the orders are, but and then you guys are just selling kind of almost direct to consumer online. It's that's so beneficial to each other to kind of economies of scale at that point because now you're paying less for more of the same stuff. Exactly. Awesome. So let's talk about uh, what your job is now and kind of how you are uh, growing the businesses, plural. Through digital marketing efforts, and you know what's the modern landscape look like now? 
Sure. So it, it was exciting for me um, to be able to take over a much larger portfolio of e-commerce sites, right? And so kind of taking a look and saying, okay, now it's not just my binding. Now it's uh, binding101.com and mybinding.com and spiralbinding.com. And then we have a whole bunch of other sites, right? Um, we actually own a bunch of brands. So we have some brand sites that are a little less e-commerce and a little bit more um, sort of brand focused, like coverbind.com is an example. So uh, as you kind of take a look at that, hey, those are our those that's our portfolio of sites. And uh, and really in the past year and a half, it's been one trying to get them to, to grow. And obviously the pandemic being in office products is a little rough, but also uh, trying to get us all on the same platform. We've now done two re-platforms in the past year, and we're working on our third, moving uh, all of our sites onto a, like a Magento 2 enterprise sort of platform. So that, that's kept me super busy. But then also looking and saying, hey, how do we drive like amazing growth? You know, and uh, and where are the opportunities both in paid and organic traffic? Right, as we look and say, hey, the e-commerce part of Spiral is going to become, let's say, the engine for growth and certainly for customer acquisition. Right, because we can acquire customers at scale in a way that a traditional B two B business can't. Um, and the really exciting thing for us as an entire organization is some of those customers can end up sort of feeding the B two B engine that powers the rest of the company. So you you think, okay, well maybe it, you can through e commerce acquire or get uh, your foot in the door with a, a major sort of national account. But now all of a sudden you can send your team in, take the rest of their business or earn the rest of their business. Yeah, that's an amazing strategy there. I do want to go back to uh, you discussing replatforming. And you know, on this end of the call, I'm like a Shopify expert. That's my bread and butter. But I, I've said a million times, like there are reasons to use other platforms. So I'd love to hear why you guys settled on Magento too. Sure. So, um, and, and I love Shopify. And honestly, if I could have went Shopify, probably would have <laughs> just because um, the complexity of Magento 2 um, and the development and all of the different pieces make it quite the beast to, to manage. But uh, the Magento 2 B2B functionality is quite a bit more robust and the ability to build the custom functionality on top of it. So that was kind of one you know piece of the puzzle for us uh, is looking and saying, hey, we want to we want to deal with both the B2B2C business as well as the traditional B2B business in really a, a, a single platform. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of it is really around uh, the catalog size and the catalog complexity. You know, Our catalog is actually fairly large with about 50,000 items or so and a lot of categories. So on, on my binding, and we'll talk a little bit about this on the SEO strategy side of things, but on my binding, for instance, we have about 4,000 categories and a really interesting and deep uh, sort of hierarchy, which is actually pretty hard to to replicate in a Shopify instance. Oh yeah, that makes sense. What do all e-commerce stores have in common? That's right, customers. And those customers are going to have questions. Gorgeous is the leading e-commerce help desk with over 5,500 customers on Shopify, Magento, and BigCommerce. Their software is built with machine learning to optimize your support system and allow your team to save time and money on repetitive inquiries while still remaining personalized. What it does is take all of your customers' insights and information, brings it into their amazing dashboard so you can solve your customers' problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest to get your second month free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T.
Anytime someone's trying to do B2B and B2C at the same time, as you like to put it, B2B2C, yeah. I usually say this might not be the best fit for Shopify. Right. So uh, I guess just as you mentioned before, there's a lot of custom development aspects to it. Do you have an in-house team? So we actually have a, a combination. So we have a full-time uh, sort of head of development on the team here. And then we uh, have an outsourced team in India that sort of does a lot of the heavy lifting on the day-to-day stuff. And that allows us... Actually, our, our team is really distributed that way globally so that we can get stuff done at night. So what happens is we'll, we'll sort of coordinate and tee up the projects. We give them over to the teams. Um, uh, we have a team in India and a team in the Philippines. And they do a ton of work in the back end um, you know, overnight. And then when we come in the morning and then we're good to go. Absolutely. I've seen a bunch of businesses go that way on both sides of it, agencies and stores. But I asked if you had a team on staff and it's you have a full-time developer on staff and you have two teams on staff. So just to kind of let people out there that are thinking about the pros and cons of Shopify versus Magento, you know, it there is a lot of development work that goes into Magento. It's a very customizable platform, uh, and to do make it do what you want it to do, you're definitely gonna have to kind of own it. And also, well, I guess they probably f- I haven't used Magento too, but I do know Magento Mon- one had a few stability issues, uh, and I hope you never have to deal with that. It, it's not bad from a stability standpoint, but like I said. If I could have went Shopify, I probably would have to because, um, you know, I, a ton of my friends and peers are on Shopify, and their life from a development standpoint is a, a different world, right? Um, the amount of uh, work and stress um, that comes from the Magento sort of ecosystem is pretty major, but the capabilities are pretty cool too. So you kind of have to balance it out and say, hey, you can build almost anything custom on Magento. Perfect. Um, but you're going to pay for it and you're going to have to maintain it after you do. So, right there, maintain it. And I, we never really talked about this uh, in the podcast yet before, but you guys are approaching enterprise level as far as your business size goes. Yes. So, that is something to understand. If you are in the startup phase or that scaling phase, don't look at Magento. It's not yeah. a good option. <laughs> I t- totally agree there, right? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you have to have the the re- the revenue to justify the build costs and the maintenance costs, right? And so you kind of look at this and say, but that being said, highly complex cat- uh, catalogs, uh, you know, B two B to C sort of applications. I, I mean, those are the cases where like uh, Magento sort of shines. You know, anything that's simpler, I'll often tell my uh, tell people, go Shopify. It's easy, right? Like, well, relatively easy. <laughs> yeah, depends on how custom you want to get or, or what you want to do over there. Businesses are the most successful when they own their data, customer relationships, and their growth. That's why more than 50,000 e-commerce brands like Living Proof, Huckberry, and Solo Stove trust Clavio to deliver their ideal customer experience. Clavio is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. If you're tired of relying too heavily on paid advertising or third-party marketplaces for your sales success, you're not alone. It's time to take back control of the customer experience. More and more online businesses are moving to Klaviyo to grow higher-value customer relationships through personalized email and SMS marketing. And the results are staggering. On what's typically the biggest weekend of the year for online retailers last Cyber Weekend alone, brands made nearly $1 billion in sales through Klaviyo's platform. That's 3.1% of total online sales that were powered by Klaviyo. 
Ready to drive future sales and higher customer lifetime value with a marketing platform built for your long-term growth? Get a free trial at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Awesome. So just right now, I guess on the marketing side of things, you guys are spending a lot of time and a lot of focus on SEO, correct? Yep. All right. Let's dive into it. Let the people know uh, you've got some SEO tricks for e-commerce. Uh, you know, you're you're saying that these can help drive instant results. So let's get into it and let's let the people know. Uh, give them some to dos from this podcast. Sure. And I'll talk a little bit about Shopify too, because I think um, I, I think a good chunk of the audience is on Shopify. I've done some consulting in the Shopify world in terms of e-commerce sort of audits, and I'll, I'll kind of maybe touch on a couple of the high points in terms of the areas that I see that are the most commonly sort of made mistakes and the easiest, like we'll call it the lowest hanging fruit. Okay. Sounds good. So let's let's first talk about and if, if you were on Magento, you'd call these categories, but on on Shopify, um, you basically have the ability to create what are what are they called? Like uh, collections. Collections. Okay, so I I can make a lot of collections on Shopify, which is awesome. And so what you find often is is that people create a collection and then they create these awesome filters. You know, and those filters are great because it allows customers to sort of dive down into these categories. An example would be, hey, maybe you have a jewelry category, and then you allow people to choose the color, the style, um, you know, those kind of things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the most commonly made mistakes on Shopify, especially, but also others, is those filters are usually not visible to Google. Or if they are, they really are not optimized at all for Google and their search. So imagine this, as you're on this uh, Shopify site, and maybe it's a jewelry category, and you say, hey, I want gold crosses. Okay, so I'm going to choose crosses as my pattern, and I'm going to choose gold as my color. Okay, well, that page will show um, like a pretty nice assortment of gold crosses. But the title tag of the page, and the title of the page, and the description of the page didn't change, right? And so what, what just happened there is, is that from a user end user standpoint, you delivered um, the ability to filter down to the products. But from Google's standpoint, you just delivered a page that has the exact same content as the jewelry category with just a, a different set of products on it. And so the real opportunity or the first opportunity that I would say would be to start taking your most commonly filtered selections and turn them into their own collections. So essentially, we would be saying, hey, you know what? Like, And this actually is... I really believe in SEO not to do things just for Google. Because when you do things just for Google, what happens is, is that Google changes its mind. It might be like, you know, six months from now, it might be six days from now, but they're going to say, hey, you know what? Like, that's not valuable to me anymore. Um, so do things for your customers. So uh, I'll give an example. So take a look at your paid search and you say, hey, I'm built, bidding on gold crosses in my, um, in my paid search campaigns. What if I built a collection as a landing page for that and I optimized it for SEO? So you, you might say, hey, I'm going to build really good collections around all of the different... Rather than sending people to filter pages, I'm going to build individual collections you know, for all of the different uh, sort of aspects of these pieces of the site. And what you'll find is, is that those pages are the ones that rank the best. It's a lot easier to rank a collection than it is to rank a product. Um, and so what you end up finding is, is that you, you look and you say, hey, um, you know, I can create a whole bunch of collections that make a ton of sense that align with what my users are looking for. And maybe I get like a, I'll call it a triple whammy out of the deal where I'm picking up the SEO traffic, 
I'm driving highly targeted paid search traffic to those specific terms so that I get the better um, return on ad spend as well as I also drive my cost per click down because I'm going to have higher relevancy. And then I'm also going to maybe create a redirect in my search at the top of my site so that um, when someone searches for that term, they're going to land on this really nice curated landing page that's all about that topic. And I'm going to pick up some additional conversion rate uh, sort of boost from that as well. So the idea there being, hey, like leverage the, the concept of being able to um, you know, create these additional collections to get like maybe a triple whammy in terms of traffic and conversions and really service your customers better. That makes complete sense. It's definitely something that I think a lot of people don't spend the time to curate the content for those pages. And that's you know just something that needs to get done. Yeah. Nobody likes insurance, but everybody should have it. Mistakes do happen. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 70,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention Honest E-Commerce to get your first month absolutely free. So a second piece of it is, is to look and say, hey, um, you know, what's the expansion option for categories, right? Um, and you got to think about this along a couple of different, uh, and we'll call it again, collections, right? The idea of, hey, how can we expand the number of collections that we have on the site without really expanding the number of products? There's a couple of different ways to look at this. One of the things is, is that maybe in, in your site or your industry, people are shopping by brand. So you create a, a shop by brand experience on the site, which would just be an, another set of collections, right? Because maybe somebody is searching for your product type with a brand associated with it, right? Well, again, you can do that with a filter, but you can say, hey, I could create an entire brand landing experience on the site pretty easily by just creating another collection. And then uh, really trying to figure out in Shopify, it takes a few hacks and, and Chase, you'd be a more of an expert on how to do this. There's a bunch of different ways that I've seen it done, but the whole idea of creating a little bit of a hierarchy, even though you don't have a hierarchy, right? It, which is the idea of saying, hey, like, even though we have a flat collections model in Shopify, we will want to really be able to still sort of nest them together, at least from a user experience and from a breadcrumbs experience. So that Google understands like this belongs inside of this as opposed to, you know, like a sort of hung out uh, on its own. And the reason for that is really like from a reinforcement standpoint, right? To say, hey, like we are experts at whatever we do, right? And again, whatever kind of e-commerce site that you run, when you're talking about SEO, there's this idea of eat. I don't know if anyone has... Have you ever heard of eat? I have not. Okay. So the idea is um, expertise, authority, and trust. These are things that Google highly values, right? So the idea here is really just to say, hey, are you an expert in your field? Do you have authority? Now, authority really comes especially into in a place where maybe you're sharing information that might be sensitive. So like if you were selling supplements, for instance, you would want to make sure you have some authority. Otherwise, uh, what you you run into is, is like, why should we trust you? Right. So the whole idea here is really like, does Google see you as a trustworthy source or not a trustworthy source? And so as you look at, at building that, what you really want to do is build content that 
because someone can't find somewhere else. Well, how do you do that? You got to really build these hierarchies of categories and collections, right? That show that, hey, I'm the expert. We are the expert. You, you need to come here and find your products in this, uh, in this world and offer something that's differentiated. That's it, not just another me too. Because in the world of Amazon, if you're not differentiated, someone will just go and buy it on Amazon, right? So there's got to be some reason why they buy from you. So, so that's the idea of like, hey, think about the way that people shop and create like expand your categories, but do it in a way that sort of differentiates you. So you might do brands as an example. Some people like some categories shop really, really well by color. Some shop really, really well by size. Others shop really, really well by style, right? Um, but as you start to think about it, you say, hey, like I was talking to another store recently and they sell, um, you know, chairs. And I'm like, I look, I started digging into the search results and you realize people are searching for colors of chairs, but there's no way to find the colors of chairs other than a filter. So now you say, well, again, you can create a single category or a landing page for one of those. But what if you create a shop by experience that says, hey, I have a red chair section now. Well, and I have red short chairs, and I have red tall chairs, and I have red chairs that are leather, right? So think about that. You have the ability to create these really interesting landing pages that probably don't have a lot of traffic, but they the traffic that they do have is really, really targeted. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite a bit easier to rank than it would be for the term chairs, which by the way, like there's no chance ever that you're going to rank for the word term chairs probably. Yeah. And I just want to clarify here, when you're saying landing page, you're saying that in a tr- in like, it's a page that someone's landing on. You're not saying it in like some sort of funnel hacking landing, landing page. Like we're like, what we're talking about here are just collection pages. Correct. But figuring out a way to, to represent them in a hierarchy on the Shopify again, because again, the hierarchy is not built in Shopify. So you really have to sort of build it yourself mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. Um, you know, but the idea being like, Hey, I want to have a chairs page. And then I want to have a shop by color and maybe I'll have all the colors under it. And maybe uh, then I'll also have a, a shop by finish and I'll have all the finishes like, you know, leather or fabric or whatever. Um, you know, and so the idea being understanding your customer and then building these collections out um, and creating what I'll call landing pages, but they're really just collection pages. And then just making sure that it's really easy for customers to find that allows you to drive targeted traffic. Now, targeted traffic can be SEO. It can be SEM. It could be social, right? It doesn't really matter how how you're driving the traffic. It's just that the free traffic comes because you have the best page on... We'll call it the best page on the internet right? Um, for a, a particular topic. Well, that's kind of hard to do on really broad topics. And what I find often is, is that store owners are sort of like uh, focusing their site on really broad sort of topics and and they don't get into the sort of... you know Don't filter it down, um, at least not in uh, with their collections pages. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to get into that a bit more here in a second because I've got a really poignant question for you. But I do want to let people know that on Shopify about uh, you know building out these hierarchies as you're, or as you're mentioning here uh, with filtering and sorting uh, and variant handling and you know how to get to these more targeted landing pages. So there are two apps actually in the ecosystem that we recommend at the agency. Uh, one is called Searchinize. Nice. And the other one is called Product Filter and Search. They do... Not the same thing, but it's pretty close. You should probably reach out to both if you have a higher SKU count. Now, if you have a low SKU count, this doesn't really matter to you, in my opinion. Um, I guess, what is your opinion? Say someone has less than 10 SKUs. So if they have less than 10 SKUs, 
they have to figure out why people want those 10 SKUs, right? At this point, you're, you're really digging in really deep to figure out, hey, what makes these things unique and what, uh, and then build really deep content around them, right? So yeah, you're not going to have a ton of collections with 10 SKUs, right? Like, because <laughs> each, each collection is going to have one or two SKUs on it. And so at that point, you're really going to be building out content at the product level around those, uh, around those SKUs. I would argue if you have that many SKUs, you don't need filtering at all or sorting because like now you're just adding an extra click to get someone to the product that they're interested in in the first place. And anytime you give someone an extra step, it's an extra opportunity for them to abandon that sale. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, that comes back to, hey, you don't do things just for Google. You do things, which by the way, Google would agree, but, um, uh, but you really do things for your customer. So customer first all the time. If you can eliminate a step in the process, get them to do exactly what they need. That's exactly what the customer wants. It's also what Google wants. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask... Well, I guess not ask, maybe point out. You know, When someone's got a high skew count, like you know, we're talking tens of thousands, it can almost seem overwhelming uh, to get started with like producing the content for these landing pages or you know finding out uh, where to start when they've got all these variants and sizes or, or whatnot. Um, I just kind of like to tell people, you know, focus on the 80-20 rule, like which products are making you the most revenue? Start there. Yeah. I usually say focus on the products that are making you the most money and the terms that you're spending the most money on paid. Oh yeah, that's a great addition to that statement. Right, because as you as you look at that, you say, "Hey, can you save yourself some money? <laughs> right, <laughs> increase your conversion rate on those ones that you're spending a ton of money on." Right, like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there anything that I forgot to ask you uh, in relation to SEO that you think would resonate with our audience? Um, I guess the only other one would be about product page SEO. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I, um, another sort of common mistake that I see is is that titles that aren't descriptive enough. And uh, if, if you want an example of like how you take that to a whole new level, just look at the titles on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, where they have like every little detail. And, uh, and I'm not saying go there. Like you have to take a little bit of a balance in terms of your brand versus uh, with your titles. Um, and then as with having like a you know, search friendly um, sort of titles. But as you kind of look at it, like a lot of people like to give like their products like cute names and fail to put things that are really important, like what it is and what it does in the title. Um, so if you think about it, like from the title of the product without looking at the picture, could you tell whether it's, it's uh, roughly what it is and what it does. And if you can't, then um, then you're probably not optimized super well for Google, right? Uh, yeah. Because Google doesn't look at the picture and decide what it is, They, which, uh, which is the way that lots of us shop, right? But when you're trying to drive traffic through SEO, you got to get that title um, sort of optimized. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act, but I would say, think about the core attributes of your product that would allow someone to know what it is and then consider putting those in the title. And then as far as um, content on the page, so everybody says, hey, you know, like you got to write... Like, like a unique description, it's got to be a hundred words or two hundred words, and you know all of this stuff. And I would actually suggest that, um, oh, that's important. And I, I hate, hate, hate running across sites that have zero description because it doesn't tell you anything about the product. But my suggestion would actually be to enrich your product as much as you possibly can with whatever information you can find. 
And that will actually differentiate you with Google. Um, and so you don't actually have to create all that content. You might just be curating it all. But you might be saying, hey, is there a user's manual? In our world, like we, we put user's manuals, spec sheets. Can you make sure that you have reviews? Can you make sure that you have maybe Q&A on the page? You know, even if you're writing some of the Q&A that you, you've gotten from your customers over email, right? You just say, hey, I got that question that will help somebody else. And what you're going to find quickly is that your product becomes really unique without ha- you having to go and say, hey, I'm going to spend time rewriting the product description for every product on the site. So I would say, again, the idea is putting customers first and say, what do they need or want? But figure out a way to add more, as much additional content to the product as you can. And you're going to find that you know making sure that you have like really good and multiple pictures uh, will help drive up your um, conversion rate. Making sure those pictures have some sort of like naming convention can help a little bit. But your big bang for your buck is really going to be in your title. And then trying to figure out how do you optimize things like reviews? How do you get more reviews from your customers? How do you make sure that those reviews show up on the site? And those can be huge wins for any size of site, right? Uh, so again, now you're saying, hey, you got 10 products, then build those killer landing pages um, uh, or make your products into killer landing pages. If you've got you know, 10,000 products, figure out a way to add product content from vendors um, in scale because it's, you're probably not going to be able to create it all yourself. Oh, I can't agree anymore with that. And I just want to go back to your discussion on like make sure the product titles make sense. So I want to give an example to people because sometimes they don't sure. understand what we're saying here. I've been on websites before uh, you know where they have like they have the California and then they have the Arizona and then they have the Texas and it's like what are you what am I trying to sell you Jeff <laughs> exactly three states <laughs> <laughs> no they're not for sale well maybe in this election but um, <laughs> it's like these were hats you know what I mean and it's like okay well why didn't you just have the word hat in there that'd be like one step <laughs> that'd help out a lot yeah exactly and and like does it have a broad rim does it like again like why does someone care about that hat versus what makes the California different, right? Is it because it's bigger, right? Um, you know, uh, is, is that the, the reason why you call it the capital? Because it's more modern, right? Um, so the idea is really like, what are the attributes that people care about? Um, uh, and, and as you start to think about putting that in your title, and again, there's a little bit of, like uh, I've run into a couple of brands where they say, "Hey, like we just can't get away from that." I'm like, "Okay, create a second title and put it in Shopify right at top of the description that actually tells you what the product is." And uh, you can call that like an H2. Like the H1 will be the title on the page, but we'll call it an H2, which is heading two. Um, uh, and and just and put a real like a descriptive title as a second sort of field on the on the page, and it can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Jeff, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Uh, if people are interested in learning more about uh, you or uh, getting a hold of you, they have some questions about SEO. You know, what should they do? Yeah, sure. Um, they can go ahead and uh, you know um, uh, reach out to me. Uh, now, do you have a way of sharing my email address on there? Should I just share it on here? You can share it here, and I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, you can go ahead and just send me uh, an email to Jeff at mybinding.com. Right. And uh, I'd be glad to, you know, if you guys just want to chat and to say, hey, I'd love for you to take a quick look. I'm always glad to help, uh, you know, a fellow e-commerce owner. I- I've been um, been there uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, we're just going to continue to grow and rocket ship. But I mean, I'm glad to sort of just sit down, chat and, uh, you know, and, and let's talk a little bit about SEO and, uh, and e-commerce and, and who knows. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Chase. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. 
If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.